Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Today is our weekly happy hour on trending, and we're talking about everything from our guardian angels. Today is the feast day where we celebrate our guardian angel. Every single one of us has our own angel who's guarding and protecting us. What does this mean? What has the history of the church's teaching on guardian angels been? How can we better understand them and have greater recourse to the intercession of our guardian angels? My husband, ever since we were pregnant with my first daughter, would start praying to the guardian angels of our children, praying for their intercession, praying that there's a strong relationship between our children and their guardian angel. It's been a neat prayer and devotion to have, so I'm looking forward to diving into the significance of our guardian angels today, celebrating them and honoring them and that desire to grow in a deeper relationship, to be more attentive to their promptings. So we'll discuss that a little later on in the show, along with news from California. I didn't have the chance to cover it last week, but the great news last week that California Governor Gavin Newsom actually vetoed the bill that would have allowed, would have allowed for or led to parents being rejected custody of their children being considered unfit if they didn't follow with this insane gender ideology of 2023. It's new. I can't even say of this century. It's new to the last, what, not even 10 years. So we'll talk about that because I think it's encouraging news for people in the state of California, but for parents in general, I'll talk about why he vetoed it and much more here on Trending. Joining me now during our weekly happy hour is Devin Shat. He's the founder of the Fathers of St. Joseph, author of countless Catholic books, including On St. Joseph and Manhood. We're going to talk today about a sensitive topic, and that is marriage and navigating marriage. Whether you're married or in a relationship, Something that's core to the male-female dynamic that's actually biblical and part of the church teaching is that in the vows that we take at our wedding day, we're called to honor and respect our spouse, specifically for a wife to honor, respect, obey, to follow her husband. So today we're touching on this hot button issue because I know it's a sensitive one, but you know me, I enjoy the controversy, but also the opportunity for growth according to what the church calls us that is contrary to the way of the world and sometimes contrary to our desires. And so the topic is why your marriage will have peace and joy if respect is at the core of your relationship with your husband. Ladies, we're going to talk about why respect is so important for a man and concrete ways to start working on this. I know it's something I try to work on. I need to work on. Maybe you too. If you have a question for my guest today, Devin Schatt from the Fathers of St. Joseph, numbers 888 914-9149. Devin, welcome back to Trending. Hey, thanks for having me on, Timory. 
Let's talk about marriage. I know this topic, women hear it, we've heard it within the Catholic community. You might reject it, that wives are supposed to be show their husbands respect and even so far as to be submissive to their husbands. Let's talk about the respect side of it. What's the benefit? How does respect of a wife toward her husband bring peace and joy to that relationship? Yeah, there's a number of benefits, but I'm not a full expert on this, but I can just tell you experientially that there are several benefits in the marriage and especially for wives if they can respect their husbands. So the first one is that he'll actually enjoy and want to be with you as like a best friend because (laughs) when there's a lack of respect, no one wants to be around someone who doesn't respect them, guys especially. But when we have a wife who respects us, who you know loves us in that way, we want to be with them. We want to spend time with them because they become this great friend who we can feel safe to share with. And, and that's the second thing is that wives, he will listen better because you're not, he's not tuning you out because he doesn't sense that you're nagging or maybe you know telling him what to do. But there's a conversation. There's a peace and a, peace and a ease in that conversation. Um, he'll want to demonstrate his love for you more so in action because he believes he's receiving it from you because a guy's core language or his primary need, the way he feels love is when he's respected. And so if she's respecting him, he is going to want to love her. He is going to want to go out of his way Mm. to please her and delight her. So you're saying, I think also, Oh yeah. So you're saying Devin that for a man, respect and love are almost interchangeable that when a man is respected, that's how he, in many respects, receives love from his wife and needs love from his wife. Absolutely. And it goes back to when we're boys. As boys, we look to our dads and to Uncle John or Uncle Sam or whoever as these men who are great, and we respect them innately. It's very instinctive. And we want to grow up to be like them. But when we're growing up, we have this background noise that's telling us, well, basically, it's like the spyware on your computer that's telling you when you have a virus. And the spyware that runs in our background, in our head all the time is, are you a real man or not? And we're triggered whenever we're not, when we don't feel like that. And so we know that we're called to be men. And part of being men is to be respected. And we look to our fathers as the strongest man. We want to be like them. But then that transfers over to marriage. And that's when it can get kind of complicated because a man's confidence ultimately primarily comes from God the Father. If he's a if he's a trusting son, he derives this confidence, this faith in God, and he can do almost anything. However, though his wife cannot be the primary source of that, she can really reinforce it, cultivate it, and increase it in him. And so to be respected is actually this is very important. When a man is respected, it sets the trajectory of his entire life. He wants to risk. He wants to do things for his wife. He wants to succeed. He's willing to just about try anything, fail, and get up again. But when he's not respected, he thinks, why is it worth it? And so it fundamentally conditions the entire man's life. Wow. So you're saying if a man's trajectory of his life is centering upon whether or not he's respected, and when he's respected, it sets up his life, wouldn't that be fundamental for marriage? So a wife who respects her husband, a husband who has that respect from his wife, it sets up a healthy and positive trajectory for marriage as well? 
Absolutely. So let's just take anything that pertains to a man in his life, whether it's purity or whether it's wanting to be successful at work or whether it's engaging in relationships with others, you know, having real friendships, uh, whether there's self-mastery or giving himself away. If Where does all that come from? He's got to have confidence. That confidence comes from self-respect. Self-respect comes from the fact that he believes that God has chosen him, desires him, and actually thinks that he's dependable. That's as kids, boys, we always look to that coach. Coach, put me in. I'm dependable. The military, put me in. I'm dependable. And then when we get older, I'm dependable. But when a wife, and this is a sacred ground to understand, but when a wife doesn't believe in her husband, she does not believe in his capabilities or his abilities, or she undermines them by going and getting other people to do the job that he's supposed to do, what can happen? He loses that confidence. His ability or his capacity or his willingness to risk decreases. And then he kind of veges out with life and he just wants to get by. And he mm-hmm. kind of goes into his hobbies and things like that. So a lot is at exam- stake here. So. Uh- can you give an example? Because I appreciate where you're kind of starting to get into that concrete of what happens. And you just gave the example of, you know, a woman seeks help other places. Can you share what you mean by that? (laughs) Yeah. So I have a friend who he's not super handy, but he's really growing in this area and it's challenging for him, but he's really coming into his own. And there's been countless situations where his wife needed something fixed around the house and for example, the outlets in all of his living room, dining room area all went, all went out. There was something wrong with the wiring. Well, they both didn't know that the son had stuck a fork in the outlet. Okay. <laughs> and so the wife called the husband at work and said, you know, we need to fix this. And he's like, no problem. I'll look into it when I get back. Before she got, he got back home, returned back home from work, she had already called her father, her dad, who was already mm-hmm. fixing the problem. And he expressed to me how that undermined his it just undermined his ability to be a man. What it communicated to him was, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. She doesn't respect me. And so then what does he want to do at that point? He wants to check out. And ironically, he did check out. He Because he didn't feel like a man and respected by his wife, what does he do? Well, this isn't this isn't right. This isn't correct. But what he did is he started looking toward other women and pornography to feel like a man. Because here's what happens. When a man does not feel respected, he will try to find outlets to gain that respect. Whether it's in profit, popularity, pleasure, whatever it is, he will seek that out. Now, this is a lot of pressure, I understand, on a woman. But we're not saying that the woman has the duty to – she can only address this need. She cannot fulfill it. But if she is addressing it, that goes a long ways. So the story you just gave of the woman who ended up asking your dad for help because the electrical became a problem. She called her husband at work. And just thinking about it from like a female perspective here, and I think it might be baffling for some women who might say, well, I was just, you know, her, she calls her dad. Her dad's there helping fix it. Clearly, her own father is available in probably isn't at a nine to five job, maybe retired. And so from a female perspective, she's probably thinking, hey, my husband's busy at work. At the end of the day, I don't need to add one more thing to his plate. I also don't need this to be delayed a few days or a week. I can ask my dad who's available and able, not saying that my husband isn't able. So when you give the extreme of, you know, him struggling with pornography and him feeling disrespected, can you 
maybe fill in kind of a little bit of that explanation and see how like the two are coming from totally different perspectives. And for she, for her, it most likely had nothing to do with respect. Although I know in some cases, someone might think that her spouse is incompetent, etc. Yeah. So, okay, this is great. Every man wants to be the man. We want to be the go-to man. We want to be the strongest man. We want to be the guy who who comes up with a solution and you watch any heroic action packed film. And that is the message. The guy, there's an individual who comes through at the end of the day and everybody can depend on him. And this is the key to masculinity, the boy, the man, the father, the boy, nobody can depend on the father. Everybody depends on, and he sacrifices for that. When, even though the wife is not saying, I don't think you can do it. Well, maybe she is, but she's not going to tell him what it does send that message that, he doesn't have what it takes. So that that crushes his internal. Uh, so it's not about ego. This is about his fundamental character of who he is. He wants to be a man and men are respected. It's a core need deep down. And actually, the Latin for respect means to see again. And so she wants him, his wife, to see him again, see him anew, see him trying and give him that space to actually kind of grow and come to his own. So at the end of it, he can say, I did this for you. You know, and that's the thing. I remember I was, this is a wild uh, trajectory, uh, but there's this t- one time I was at this playground, all the dads were there and my daughter was on a swing and there was another daughter on another swing and I was pushing my daughter, but no one was pushing this other daughter. So I decided to push her as well. That dad, when he saw it, the dad of this daughter, he came shooting over and pretty much pushed me out of the way to push his daughter. <laughs> He wanted to be the he wanted to be the man that she depended on, the go-to man. That is built innately in every single man. We want to be the guy. And whether a woman realizes it or not, when she goes to another guy, she's saying, You're not the guy. This is really important for women to understand. So here's where I think a lot of women have a hard time. And even with what you're sharing, is I think again, this is male brain versus female brain, how we feel and experience love. And I understand that the core way a man uh, needs or the core thing that a man needs is to be respected. But as you're talking, I think a lot of women think that a man just wants to be admired. Or as you said a moment ago, Mm -hmm. that a man wants his ego to be pampered. And sometimes I think women fail to show respect or refuse to show respect because they think it's just a man in need of admiration. And, you know, that's not, that's not where a woman's thinking, and it might seem silly or petty for him to need that. So can you distinguish between this need to be admired versus this need for respect and showing dependability? Yeah, so to respect another is to show deference, to to actually um, basically say, I am confident in this person. I respect what this person can do. I expect, I respect their capability. Now, there's a t- so I guess the difference between admiration and respect is I think there is an element to admiration, but we don't want our ego to be fed. In fact, I think a lot of times for me, I don't even want my wife. I don't go tell my wife like, "Hey, I did this or I did that." But what I love is when she it makes her life better and she's thankful for it. You know, um, I don't really know how to get to the bottom of this, but I think the the way I would say it is that we all want to be winners. Men are made to win, and we want to win for our wives. That's that's about why we want them to feel loved. We want them to have a great life. 
But when they're disappointed in us, when they demean us or they, we just can't come through for them, that is a great suffering for us. And I would say that when it comes to winning and winning respect, the home front is where we lose the most. And so this is very deep for a man because his, his most vital relationship, the greatest intimacy he has with any other human being is his wife. And if he does not feel that she respects him, that, that makes his life incredibly difficult because he's hoping that he can be the man for her. So it's more than just simple admiration. You're the best. It's, it's more about, can I be the man who's dependable, who can come through, who can make my, wife, my wife's life better, make her happy, and actually just fill, be Christ to her, really. Be a vessel of grace, an efficacious mm-hmm. vessel of grace. That was powerful what you just said, because I really agree with it, that even if perhaps this whole idea, Devin, of respect, showing respect to your husband and a man's need for respect is difficult for a wife to hear, just women in general, what you said that the home front is where men lose the most. They feel the least respected. I look at the way men are portrayed in television today. They're the laughing stock. They're the buffoon. They're incapable. They're the third child. They are the mockery of everything that is masculine. And so forward that into our day-to-day lives, I think that we see this in terms of our own family dynamics. And sometimes, truthfully, it is merited on the man's part. Other times, it's uh, failed respect for men because of maybe general generational experience of how that family dynamic worked out, or maybe there's some wound there. But I want to come back, Devin, and really drill down on this idea of how a wife can show her husband respect. Because you shared earlier how fundamental it is that when a man is respected, because this is how he is loved, it's almost interchangeable. Respect and love are practically the same thing to him, that a man will want to spend more time with his wife, will want to listen better to her, will listen better, and will want to demonstrate his love more for her in his actions. And I think that's very profound because I think this is what women want. They want to be heard. They want to have time spent with them. They want to see love in action so that they feel they're loved. And they want that, again, quality time to be part of their day-to-day life. So we'll come back talking about concrete ways that a wife can show her husband respect, dive a little bit more into why this is a core need for a man. Joining me today is Devin Schatt from the Fathers of St. Joseph. You can find him at fathersofstjoseph.org. That's fathersofstjoseph.org, where you can also find books available by Devin. We'll be right back here on Trending, talking about how to show respect toward your husband in marriage. It's our weekly happy hour. Thanks for joining me. More news to come out of California as well in just a moment. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's that time of the year again. We're talking about Christmas. And bear with me for just a moment because we're getting ahead of Christmas for your sake. Don't worry, we aren't ignoring Halloween, All Saints Day, uh, or even Thanksgiving. But we are giving away nativity sets to 200 people. So if you want a nativity set, we are doing a giveaway here at Relevant Radio. I want to make sure that you have plenty of time to win this giveaway. 
and have your nativity set set up in your own home ahead of Advent and the Christmas season. So to enter to win a nativity set, and it's large, I think uh, it's probably about three feet high-ish. There's Mother Mary, St. Joseph, beautiful Archangel Gabriel, or and we also have the manger with the baby Jesus. I love it. And in fact, you may recall, my daughter is still carrying around baby Jesus ever since the Christmas season. She snatched him out of the manger. So our nativity set has become a part of our garden as well. So to enter to win a nativity set valued at over $500, all you have to do is go to relevantradio.com slash set and register before midnight central time on October 15th. Say more than simply happy holidays, say Merry Christmas to your entire neighborhood with your own beautiful hand-painted nativity set in front of your home. Sign up right now to win at relevantradio.com dot com slash set that's relevantradio.com slash set i know you'll love this my family has enjoyed theirs especially my daughter you're listening to trending with timory here on relevant radio joining me now is devin shat we've been touching on uncharted or uh, dangerous waters today on trending during our weekly happy hour we're talking about marriage and why you'll have more peace and joy in your marriage if as wives we respect our husbands we show them respect it's part of the church's teaching. It's a biblical. Just read those challenging words from Ephesians chapter 5. And so part of my question for Devin has been, why does a man need the respect of his wife? Devin, you are challenging us to understand the differences between men and women and why respect is so fundamental. Before we talk about concrete ways as you, uh, to respect your husband, things that are helpful that can be done day to day, can you just summarize again briefly how core of a need it is for a man to be respected by his wife it's almost everything okay so so we grow up as sons of fathers we want to be approved and validated and chosen by our fathers when we don't have that we will look to other men for that because we want to be real men now other men may come into our lives to validate us to mentor us and to grow us and that's great because what they are is there an icon, if you will, of God the Father and Him, His choosing us, His delighting us, etc. Now, the problem though is in men, there's a deep insecurity that we're not the chosen son. There's a deep insecurity that we're not the man, that we're still a boy trapped in a man's body. And so we bring this into marriage. And so it's very important along the way that the man is developing his relationship with God the Father because it's all about sonship. Because remember, Dependent sons become dependable fathers. Trusting sons become trustworthy fathers. And so this idea of respect, if I want to be like God the Father, who is ultimately respected, I need to be respectable. And so that's at the core. And that's where the father wound really can take a man down. Because if he comes into marriage with the father wound, not believing that he's chosen, not believing that he's dependable, not believing that he's worthy, then he is going to lack respect for himself. He's going to lack respect for his wife and his children. They're going to lack respect for him. And it's going to be mutiny in the home or it can be mm -hmm. chaos. Mm -hmm. So that's why. So it's for women to understand a man's psychology. It's the father son relationship. And it's all about the boy growing up to be a responsible man who is a son who becomes a father in the image of God, the father. And it's all about respect. That's where the respect lies. That's why a woman can't ultimately give the man as a source respect, right. but she can definitely reinforce it, increase it in him, 
and cultivate it to where he can be more open to God the Father, more trusting to God the Father, and become that great man that he's called to be. So this fundamental need for a man to be respected is ultimately a theological topic, a matter of faith. And that's why I think this whole topic of a wife showing her husband respect has been been sullied by a secular culture that doesn't understand this. They think of, yeah. ironically, yes. I was watching Beauty and the Beast with my daughter this this morning, and we were watching a little bit of the movie, and I kept thinking about how Gaston is the epitome of that tyrant, controlling, manipulative male who expects a doormat for a wife. And I think that that's what modern-day culture thinks of when we talk about respect, obedience, or submission within marriage. But what you're talking about is completely different. It's talking about the core need of a man, how it ties back to his relationship with God the Father, his his biological father, that need to be honored and respected and looked at as dependable by his parent. And then within marriage, within that context of marriage, that, you know, the husband is the man who provides and is the protector of the family and how core this is, which tells me from the perspective of a wife, Devin, that I can never fill that void. I can never give my husband the amount of respect that he needs, but I can, through the grace of God, honor that need, respect that desire, and find that level of complementarity that God has called us to since the dawn of creation when he made Adam and Eve. And that's by appreciating the differences and appreciating that very simple need that is there, and it's not just a matter, of, a matter of wanting to be admired or to have the ego stroked, as we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And I think that if, if you know, like guys are supposed to learn to understand their wives, that they need security and love, but wives need to understand that their husbands have this core need of being respected. And this is like, like we said, it's foundational because it's, it's, inherent to his relationship with God the Father and his earthly father and other men, actually. But I think there's three A's to this. First is the wife should be aware of this. That's the first step. Simple enough. Be aware that this really is an authentic God-given need. Second is to actually accept it. Don't resist it. Don't reject it. Actually, there's there's four A's. Allow God to work through you. That's the third A. And then address his need. Figure out ways that you can address his need and, and respect him and and that's, I think that's leading into the conversation here is how practically can women actually, you know, be aware of it, address it, allow God to work through them and accept it. They're not accepted, but allow God to work through them and then address this need. And I think that the first one is just wives, try to understand your husband's mission, his duties, his responsibilities. Just reflect on that at length, maybe in prayer before God, and just try to ask God to try to get a vision of the the pressure that he is under from the world, from his family, his occupation, money, all of that. And then just say, you know, you know, God, help me to learn, help me to understand his psychology, his inner psychology, what's really going on inside of him. Then that kind of allows, allows the woman to get his shoes for a little bit. And I think that right there takes us a long way in respect, being able to see again, you know, spectacle, re to be able to see again. I think the second thing is, just take into consideration his upbringing. Maybe he didn't receive the validation approval that would help him respect himself. So try not to exacerbate the wound, you know, try not to demean him or make him feel stupid or pathetic or, you know, going to others to solve the problems that maybe he can or should solve, you know, just pray for him. Pray that he will begin to trust God the Father 
and believe that he is God, the Father's chosen son, because he is, and that's where his true confidence will be derived. So I think it's pray and sacrifice for your hubby, you know? And then third is communicate often that you are with him, that you are side by side with him in this mission, especially in raising the children to be saints. And just show him that respect that, hey, I am here with you in all of this. And so I think, you know, fourth, don't focus on his faults and his failings as much as what his efforts are, you know, try to see those anew and then just value him for his sacrifice and just thank him. That a little thanks goes a long way, you know, show him deference in certain matters. But I think a couple don'ts here is don't demean him in front of the children. Uh, and don't gossip about him to your friends and, and definitely don't put him down in front of his friends. I mean, these, you know, you want to uphold his dignity so that he can feel confident around you so that the two of you can really enjoy being around one another and be that united front. And I think just honestly, at the end, just be gentle with your giant, you know, nagging nullifies the bond of trust. So he's under tremendous pressure from the world to perform and to succeed but he's also internally under a tremendous amount of pressure to measure up himself, to be that man, to be that man of God, to be that son of God that he's called and destined to be. And I'm telling you, most of us, we feel like we're not adding up on the home front or the work front in general. And so we're really, we're really under a great deal of pressure. And so when you have a wife that understands that and is there for her husband in in that way, respecting him, upholding him and even thanking him, boy, that man can do almost anything because he's empowered. Eve, I think the word Eve actually means life bearer, but in the Hebrew, it actually is more than just bearing biological life. It's a spiritual encouragement to the man in the Hebrew. That's what every wife provides her husband when she respects him. And then on the flip side, he is going to be willing to do anything to sacrifice for her. Hmm. This is a good list of concrete tasks to work on to be aware of and i love kind of starting off with what you said earlier the latin word for respect means to see again and so to honor respect and love our husbands we need to see them again and see them in that original light of what attracted us and what attracts men to women and women to men is that difference what is other and then i just think we find ourselves in marriage and then suddenly we despise and resent sometimes mm-hmm. what is different about the other. We want the other person to conform to our way of thinking, living, functioning, uh, to read our minds even sometimes. So these concrete tasks are helpful. Understanding the mission of our husbands, their psychology, how they think, considering the upbringing and how respect might have been damaged, praying and sacrificing for our husbands in the midst of that. And I think that for me, that sacrifice is not always trying to take control of a situation, not trying to do things my way, even if I think my way would be better or if I think mm-hmm. my way is the way to do something. But mm-hmm. even sometimes allowing for uh, things to maybe fall apart. And I think that that's sometimes hard because we live in a strong pro-woman culture. Women see differently than men. And so we have this desire to just do it what in our mind is the correct way, Devin. And sometimes men need that space to come into their mission. Absolutely. A sacrificial man is pro-woman all the way because he loves her so much. He's willing to lay down his life for her. You know, and I think if we rem- if we remember the essence of a relationship, the way God has designed marriage, they both need each other. They're both 
indigent. They're, po- they're, they're impoverished a little bit. They cannot find happiness on their own. They need each other. So God, this is the key. Complementarity leads to communion. But what does that complementarity demand? That the differences, and God made the sexes different on purpose so that mm-hmm. what they don't want to do, they need to do for the sake of the other. And in doing that, they learn to be a sincere gift. And that's where the love explosion takes place. I've seen it in my marriage. I've seen it in a lot of marriages. When you can learn to address the other's need, especially when it's something you don't want to do, but yet you do it and you learn to do it with love and you see the other rejoicing, that's an explosion of love. It's amazing. It, it transforms. And God is in that. God is all the way in that. When he sees two people coming together in that complementary that leads to communion, overcoming the otherness to be one, he is there, he's animating it, he's transforming it, and that's why a marriage thrives. I love this. I want to re- kind of just reiterate a few more of your tasks that you give us as women to work on that I'm taking to heart. I'm taking notes. I want to work on this. I want to find <laughs> that joy and peace in my marriage. Um, and you mentioned don't focus on his faults and failings, but thank him for his sacrifices, right? This is positive psychology, which I think is so beneficial. We tend as a culture to focus on the negative things rather than focusing on those good things that have been experienced. Uh, show him deference in some matters. I love this. I think that's a really great starting point. And then don't disrespect him in front of the children, even you know, telling funny stories about him in front of other people. And I think these are all concrete examples. And for those women, Devin, who are sitting here going, oh, this is awful. Of course, the Catholic Church is talking about this. I always look to the call of Ephesians chapter 5, where if you really read the biblical text, inspired words of God, the Holy Spirit, we read that husbands and wives are to be mutually submissive to one another. And then it says, wives, be submissive to your husbands. Remember, submission means to be under the same mission. And it says for husbands to love their wives as Christ did the church. Husbands are meant to love their wives to the point of dying for the bride. Just as Christ died for us, husbands are to sacrifice themselves for us so that we are under that same mission. So I think that when we talk about if you're not married, you know, have this vision in mind that your husband to be someone you're discerning marriage with is someone who is engaging in self-denial and sacrifice for you. If you're in your marriage, pray for God to equip your husband with these virtues and to equip you with that deference and respect to him. I love that phrase, though, that you mentioned earlier in Latin, that respect means to see again. That's Devin Schatt here on Trending. We're talking about how a wife can show her husband respect. Devin, we have a call coming in for you. And if you're just joining me, Devin Schatt can be found at fathersofstjoseph.org. That's fathersofstjoseph.org. A great ministry to men. Some awesome books from Devin there. Mary from California is on the line. She has a question for you, Devin, about raising her 25-year-old son. Mary, welcome to Trending. What's your question for Devin? Um, thanks, to Mary, and um, thanks, Devin, for taking the call. I wanted to ask, how do you raise sons to be good husbands? I'm having a problem with my son. He has a job, and he's done with college, but he's not helping me out. He just recently moved in, and his dad died when he was I believe 14 or 12. I I don't remember. And he doesn't remember his dad. His dad was a good dad. And so I'm struggling to um, raise two sons, but the other one's more responsible. 
Devin, go ahead. Any thoughts or advice for Mary? Well, Mary, I I hear your heart and, um, you know, I'm sorry for the pain that you're going through and it's every mother's desire that her son would grow up to be a man. You know, I think, first of all, I would say, first and foremost, do not put this pressure on yourself. Okay. This is very important because I think that as a mother, you see this need in your son and you want to solve the problem, right? But it actually isn't, I know this might sound harsh, it isn't your problem to solve, okay? Because really, he's 25 years old. He's now, like, I guess he's a man. He could be a boy in a man's body. I have no idea. But what I'm saying here is, is he's got to find his way. The One of the things that I would say don't do is try not to nag him, try not to pester him, but try to love him in a way that you can find the good in him and then so you can find common ground so he can trust you again or if he if he doesn't trust you but so he can trust you enough to start to open up but when he does open up don't move into the area of telling him what to do but there's suggestions and hope and hey have you ever thought about this and 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 so with the absence of his father that's what he's probably dealing with unsurety of himself uh, uh, he's probably lacking an ability to risk. He doesn't want to fail um, because that security that he lost with his dad, he he now is afraid to lose any more security, if that makes any sense. So I think the big thing for you, this and this has nothing to do with solving his problem. The big thing for you is to have a great relationship with him and foster that relationship. And th- this is where you, your prayer life is so important because we can't give what we don't have. So this is where in prayer, you go to the Lord and you have personal prayer time that is more than just, the rosary is fantastic. I pray it every day, many times a day, in fact. And I pray the chapel of divine mercy and I go to mass and all that. But we need to speak to the Lord from the heart. We need to listen to him. We need to adore him and let him in to empower us with charity. Because above all, charity covers a multitude of sins. And what we're talking about in your son is sin is a void to do the good. And so how can charity cover the multitude of sins if it comes through you, which is just loving him for who he is and start to acknowledge the good things that you see in him. And I know it's not the answer you're looking for. It's not the the silver bullet. There is no silver bullet here, but he will find his way because he's got a Monica in his life. He's got you, Mary. He has you Mm -hmm. praying and sacrificing for him and loving him. And because of that, God will hear your prayers. And that 25-year-old son who loves your, loves you enough to live at home and have a job, he will come around. He will come around. Mary, is that helpful for you? It sure is. However, how do you um, tell him that to love somebody is to sacrifice for the other? Because he basically um, has failed relationships. And so I noticed that he doesn't know how to sacrifice. Um, sacrifice is not part of the vocabulary of kids today. Mm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, that's exactly right. This is very difficult. Well, the well, you said something that's very important. You said, how do you tell him that to love is to sacrifice for another? Really, he's already heard it. You know, he's probably heard it at church. He's probably heard it from you possibly, maybe from others, telling him isn't probably the answer. He has got to witness it. And sometimes though, Mary, I don't know if he's sponging off of you. I don't know if 
you know, in a way there's an enabling kind of situation here, but sometimes a man has to learn to go at his own to hit rock bottom, to understand what suffering really is like. That's what happened with me. And then in that you learn that relationship is important. Relationships are worth sacrificing for because no one wants to go it alone. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not telling you to kick him out or anything like that, but if the going gets tough enough and he's just, you know, being enabled by living there, it may be one of these things where he has to just get out on his own and experience life and the brutality of it and then come to his grips with his own person and realize it is not good for man to be alone. Mm. And in mm. that, perhaps, perhaps he can come to reconcile with the idea that love is sacrifice. I did. I was off the rails till 24. I was doing everything imaginable that was terrible. And my mom prayed for me day in and day out. She sacrificed me many rosaries. And I was never going to come back to the Lord or I was never with the Lord. There was no chance. And a miraculous grace happened. And now I'm where I'm at today. So Amen. all things are possible. You must have faith. Faith in Christ conquers all. Faith is what's going to win today. Not telling him, but embodying sacrifice yourself mm. and, and just having faith. That's going to be the key. And if I might add, Mary, your son, it sounds like he was 12 years old when your husband died, when his dad died, and he doesn't remember him. And so perhaps sharing those stories of the mm, sacrificial love huge. that his dad showed, you know, he misses his father. He missed the mentorship and the model of that sacrifice in his dad. Honor his dad's memory by sharing those stories about his dad, by that. talking about him. I think sometimes I, I have a very close couple of friends who lost their fathers at very young ages. And that reminiscing of their dads is so beneficial for them to learn and be encouraged and to see the man they would like to measure up to when they don't have a memory of that man, yet that turning to him is still so fundamental. We'll be praying for you, Mary, and your son here at Relevant Radio, if you want to leave his name with our operator here, but we'll be praying for you. That's been Devin Shat here on Trending from the Fathers of St. Joseph. You can find him and his great work and his ministry to, to men at fathersofstjoseph.org. That's fathersofstjoseph.org. I'll be right back here on Trending, talking about great news out of California, actually, and talking about our guardian angels, why they are so important today on their feast day. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This coming July, our whole team will be live in Indianapolis at the National Eucharistic Congress. Relevant Radio is offering an easy, family-friendly travel experience thanks to Nativity Pilgrimage. Let's show up for Jesus together. Find more information about travel packages at relevantradio.com slash encounter. That's relevantradio.com slash encounter. I want to share with you some good news out of California because where California goes with culture and law, the rest of the country does. We've been in this battle over the last couple of months, waiting it out over the summer over a bill that passed all the way through the House and the Senate or the Assembly in the Senate here in California that would essentially make it so that if in a custody battle, 
one of the parents did not affirm a transgender identity or transition of a child, that that parent would con- be considered an abuser, unfit to be a parent, an aggressor, and would lose a custody dispute. Thank God. Thank God. I My jaw dropped, and I, I can't believe I didn't discuss this sooner. Thank God Governor Newsom here in California actually vetoed this specific bill that came across his desk. Now, this is great news for parents, for people in California, and for the country when it comes to the battle over gender ideology and the sacrifice of children at the feet of political ideologies today. I think that we are just on the cusp of seeing a number of court battles over this illegal and damaging, horrifically damaging transition of minors today. It's interesting because I think the leading reason why Governor Newsom threw this bill out, didn't take it, he vetoed it, is because he knows this wouldn't hold up in court. Denying parents' rights does not hold up in our state constitution, in law, in this country, and internationally. Parents' rights still matter, and the courts, I do believe, would uphold that. It was also interesting because in Governor Newsom's uh, veto comments, he actually commented that he urges caution when the executive and legislative branches of state government attempts to dictate the judicial branch trying to tell the judicial branch what to do. We should leave, in other words, legal standards for the judicial branch to apply specifically in custody battles. And I think this is encouraging. I also think that Governor Newsom knew that this long-term would not hold up in court. And also, it was interesting in his comments, he commented that the bill might be used to limit the civil rights of vulnerable minorities. In other words, that children would be taken away from uh, people in minority communities if in custody battles where a parent from a minority community did not go along with a transgender identity of his or her child. I think this is also legitimate. He recognizes here in the state of California, we've had an immense amount of migration. And with that migration comes a lot of different family values, especially if you look at the predominantly Hispanic culture here in the state of California and other ethnic groups. We have very large Filipino communities and others. And those people have a very strong Christian worldview that falls in line with Jesus Christ's teaching and that basic natural human reality that men are men and women are women. And so I think that Governor Newsom made a choice that also caters to the culture, the voting culture in the state of California that recognizes that a lot of voters don't like the idea of him signing a bill that would take their children away from them when a majority of them have strongly held faith-filled family value. So it's encouraging for parents. It's encouraging for all of us to continue to speak up, fight laws that might seem inevitable to go into place in the state of California, but they did not. And praise God, parents' rights are continuing to be protected, but we need to fight for them here in California. You're listening to Trending with Timory here here on Relevant Radio. Yes, I am in California. And I want to talk about our guardian angels. It's the feast day of our guardian angels. And I'm so bummed that I missed mass this morning because going to mass is one of the best ways to celebrate a feast day and a way to honor a saint, uh, specifically our guardian angels. It's interesting because guardian angels are something that secular and religious people love. Biblically, there's an, there is uh, proof for this idea that we have angels specifically, each of us a specifically assigned guardian angel. Yet we tend to reduce guardian angels to physical protection. 
rather than understanding and remembering that we are in a battle against principalities and powers. St. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 6, and that we need to focus, yes, on the material world, but less on the material and incorporate the spiritual outcome of our lives. Understand that we would like to engage and enjoy the resurrection of the body and the soul to be with heaven. And that means there's also a battle against principalities and powers, that there's a fight for our soul, and that we need to not just think of our guardian angels as ones to help save us perhaps from a traffic accident, guide us home, but that our guardian angel is actually defending our souls at all times. The devil tempts us all the time with desires and encourages us to give in to our disordered desires so that we sin. But our guardian angels are there to inspire us to resist these temptations. They actually encourage us to engage in asceticism, that is a sense of self-denial, mortification, so that we're training our appetites, those are our attractions and desires, so that we're free, literally free, to make choices and not just be ruled by the world, the flesh, and the devil, as St. Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 2. I think that it's a lesson and reminder for me when I have those moments of inspiration, hey, maybe I could put a little less salt in my food, and I love salt. Uh, Maybe I could drink water instead of something else. Hey, I can skip a meal actually, I don't really need to eat that much today. Or I can bite my tongue instead of complaining perhaps about my sleeplessness or my husband's dirty clothes on the floor next to the hamper. I think these very simple, concrete things that might be just in us sharing or talking about, but through little moments of self-denial and practicing large moments of self-denial, it trains us in overcoming temptation not just being susceptible to demonic influence, demonic temptation. And that's part of the role of our guardian angel, to help us in resisting temptation, to help us in engaging in an ascetical life of self-denial and mortification. I think that's really profound. The early church fathers have commented greatly on our guardian angels. This has been part of the church teaching for years. In fact, in the book of the life of Anthony, written by Athanasius of Alexandria, Anthony is in agony as he's tormented by wild demonic attacks. And so to combat them, we read that he says, the vision of the angels works softly and peacefully, awakening joy and exultation. You see, the angels help to Awaken us to the life of God. St. Hilary says to remain strong against the evil powers that angels are our helpers. He goes on to say, if the guardian angels had not been given to us, we could not resist the many and powerful attacks of the evil spirits. So today, celebrate and honor your guardian angel. The intervention that you may not be aware of prompting you to self-mortification. Maybe be a little more willing to engage in that self-denial so that it helps you when the time of temptation comes, which it comes and it comes daily. Guardian angels, pray for us. This is Timray from Trending with Timray. Tuesday we'll discuss how Ohio is fighting over the so-called right to abortion. Children would have a so-called right to sex changes, supposedly, and abortion without parental notification. Also, we'll discuss how women want more children but don't think they can or should have more babies. We'll discuss Tuesday on Trending. Join me daily, 6 p.m. Central, on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.